0: It's, it's, yeah, a little brother. Awesome. Man, isn't God so good, man? Amen. You know, if you're not feeling loved, you've come to the right place because you need to be feeling loved. You ought to be loved. You ought to know the love of God. And that's one of our primary prayers here at Lake Haven is if that, that you experience this God who says He is love. And, and so no matter where you're coming from, how you've been hurt, uh, what you're holding on to. I want you to know that God has forgiven you. Yes, amen. He has taken the guilt and the shame yes. of whatever your past is on that cross, yes. and He has loved you with an everlasting love. Amen. amen. Yes. And you know the journey of this this life is getting to know this God who loves us so intimately, and to be because it, ultimately it's the environment that we can grow in. Ultimately, this environment of love, love is just not some ooey-gooey feeling, but it, God has manifested His love in very practical ways. And we, because He has shown His love to us in so many practical ways, we feel it. We don't chase the feeling of love. We don't fall in love with the idea of love or the feeling of love. "Oh, I just feel so loved," which is nice. But you feel love because He has manifested his love towards you in so many awesome practical ways. And you know what? That takes time and intention to find out what he's done for you. And you know what? You don't get to the bottom of that barrel. If you think that you have scraped the bottom of the barrel and there's nothing more that you know that God has done for you and you know it all, you don't. You have yet to 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 experience in, in a very practical way how much God actually loves you, and so you know that's we're we're going to touch on a little bit of, of that as we get into this um into this next one because I'm carrying on with this, this series on life resurrection life and I and we just called it life and this is the a third part and, and and in it and we we spoke um last week a little bit. Uh, and we, we were talking about it from Hebrews. Uh, we'll just bring that up again from last week. I think it was in Hebrews chapter 2. And um, I'm not going to go deep into this over here. But he said in verse 15, um, And deliver those who through their fear of death were, were held subject to lifelong slavery. And, and, I've, and I've said this. And, and it's very important to know that fear, fear has no place in our hearts. It shouldn't have a place in our hearts. But it does. And it's not something you can just, you can just rebuke with your lips. Now, I'm going to be careful how I say this. You can, you can resist the enemy and he can flee, but your capacity to fear is there because you have adopted belief systems and held on to them in your heart. Sorry, you I'm going to say that again. You, okay. Your capacity to fear... Your capacity to fear. You know, um, in, in fact, um, we've got, uh, we're going to talk about this in, in a second. But, it, it, but in fact, let me start. Let's, let's just do it this way. There was a video that, that, of, that somebody here, and one of our friends, Janine, actually, on, on, she, she saw. And uh, she, she put this to, to words for us. So we're going to darken this. Thing. Watch the screen. Carefully watch the words, this poem about fear.
1: I... And fear. <coughs> That's all the introduction I need for it only takes one look to see that here already acquainted with me have seen what I can be and have more than once heard my plea. Yet you treat me like I'm new, like I haven't been with you, like I've never shared my point of view, like I'm intruding where you live, like I've never had advice to give, when in reality you and I have been talking since you were a kid. I am fear. I started as the monster under your bed, that mean thing that kid could have said, that rude comment on your phone you could have read. And now, I'm that constant voice, reminding you of everything you dread, preventing you from running your race ahead, and causing you to curl up and hide instead. I am fear. And though you hate me, you don't make me move out of the room I have inside your head. I am fear. My voice is familiar to your ear. It knows my tone. It dwells on it when we're alone. It knows my strategy. It continually brings it to agony. Yet you won't stop me. I am fear. I've taken the driver's seat of your car, buckled up, taken the wheel, and now I steer. I am fear. I've gripped your thoughts and bound your hand and made you sit when you were to stand and I've taken control over your land, while you, Just sit there and listen to my every command. Why won't you stop me? I am fear. I'm a liar, an instrument of deception, constantly playing the strings of your perception, making music that distorts your perspective, that ultimately causes you to lose your direction. Yet, you create no prevention. I am fear. And let me again make something clear. I'm only here because you allow me. See, your property I cannot trespass. There's boundaries I cannot bypass. I am fear. And when I went in, I simply walked through the door and you hand me the key. Then, to keep you from removing me, I distract you, prevent you from remembering that you have the power to make me flee. So you won't stop me. I am fear. You allow me to be your puppeteer constantly shrink down your size, cover the truth from your eyes, tie you to the strings of lies, make you move and compromise. And when situations arise, you are the one to hand me my supplies. I am fear. And until you make a movement, I'm free to pursue my manipulative amusement. Until you unbound your hand and take a stand to take back your land, you'll listen to my every command. I am fear. You let me stay, though trouble is all I bring to the tray. I am fear. And let me explain a final time. See, though I seem to hold the key, you have the power to make me flee. Because of what Jesus did on that tree and how he rose on day three, you have power over me. And I can't stop that. I am fear, but I fear you. I fear who is with you, for he is in you and has given everything for you. By sending his son who was the one to free you from every chain, my hold he broke. By the word he spoke, delivered you from every pain. By dying on the cross, he paid what you cost. Then he rose up from that grave and saved you and though you still mess up he won't stop loving you and protecting you and empowering you to do what you're called to do and if you truly knew that i'd be through i am fear and now you know because of him at your word i must go because jesus already set you free no matter how good i lie or how hard i try or how long i've held you tied i can't stop you from stopping me why won't you try to stop me
0: Amen. isn't that good fear is an interesting thing and like you said what you fear absolutely controls you. And before you think that you don't have fear, we all have a capacity to fear, as I said last week, and, and the, the, the thing is that it's, it's almost invisible because we become comfortable with where we're at. It's easy to see somebody else's capacity. It's easy to see if they have a greater capacity to fear, but, but truly, the scripture in Hebrews 2 that we read in 15 where it says that we've been held in bondage our whole lives through the fear of death. You see, as I started at the beginning of the series, I said, fear. life and death are continuums. Death comes not just because we're facing a grave or or a grave situation, but because any piece that's not of Jesus, any piece of the cross, any piece, if you're going to have this continuum of death, and, and so we've, we've, we could fear sickness, you can fear poverty, you can fear uh, a loss of a relationship, you can fear being lonely, you can fear fear being, there's all these kinds of fears that we sort of justify, we redefine, but we don't realize that as soon as we do that, we have literally given something power over us. And like I said, I'm, be careful over here because I can't just say fear go away in Jesus' name. Why? Because I'm holding on to a capacity, I'm holding on to beliefs in my heart that cause the fear. Right. You know, we, we we read in John chapter um, in in First John chapter four that it says, "Perfect love casts out fear." Just as I suppose, like light in darkness, right? You don't cast the darkness out of a room; you turn the light on. Perfect and mature love, love that reaches its destination, ultimately does dispel you know this was one of those things that it was kind of interesting I had been in Africa working in some deep parts of Africa some dark parts of Africa and the first we would do these crusades in the small towns like we'd go to some of the big towns and we'd do these crusades on the outskirts of the biggest cities and then we'd go further and further into deep darkest Africa these little villages and towns far 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 in the in, in, the, in you know back in the back which would take us days sometimes weeks to get to sometimes. And it was interesting that we would see things in some of these places. You would see a lot of possession. The, the further you were from light, the further you were from the gospel, the more you saw darkness and fear and everything rule. You saw people that, were, that, that had this. And so it wasn't, uncommon, um, it, it wasn't uncommon for us to experience gunfire at night and different things. And, and it was interesting because as I got to know, God was bringing me on a personal journey about this, and, and I had faced a lot of different situations, and, and, and really, I got to see some of the life of God that was exposed, was in me, rising up, and so eventually, things like that actually, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to, to brag or anything, but it was kind of, okay, we, we, we didn't, we stopped fearing certain things. We, it wasn't scary anymore to have gunfire at night. I mean, sometimes one night I woke up and I walked outside the truck and a light pole was on the ground and the police had had a shootout on the field. And I can tell you story after story of AK-47 fire and these guys were over here and we had a guy. I mean, story after story after story. And it was just like, oh, well, what happened last night? Oh well, something happened. It wasn't, we we didn't stay trapped in fear. But what was so funny is that as we made our way into the interior and we'd go back down and we'd travel down to South Africa where we were based and we, you know, occasionally I would come to the USA. And my sister lived in Texas. I don't know if you know where Trophy Club Texas is, right near South Lake and nice area. And so it it was so funny. I would come to this, the land of America. Now, Americans are famous in Africa, you know. Everybody's from Hollywood. So I was like, this is where everything is. It's like, man, you fly into America. This is America. Wow. And it it was like Trophy Club was perfect we would come into trophy club and everything was the yards were manicured my 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 sister's children were at school at the time and 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 was it was so interesting i'd come out of this this place which was which was dirty that was far it was far from light that had no electricity there people didn't know the gospel there was it it had it had ancestral worship and witch doctors and again story after story witch doctors and People that were that 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 dominated people's lives, and and so I come to Trophy Club, and I was like, just a few weeks later, and it was like that is a hectic contrast, to look and see how different it is, and how your capacity to fear it can be, it can it was so stark because when I when I listened to my sister talk about how everybody was afraid in Trophy Club, I was like, afraid of what? Well, your children could get kidnapped. Oh, that your children could get kidnapped here? Here the cops patrolled up and down. They had nothing to do except try and trap somebody on the road. That was all the cops could do. You know, so that, I mean we we lost tires, we lost generators, we had things stolen from us. We got stolen from so many times. How many times we had guys we had to we used to hire the paramilitary forces to try and help us to keep the the robbers and I mean, one guy, one guy, did a one robber a bad. He was eventually he was like hogtied and he wanted me. He wanted to beat him with a rifle. We said no, chill, chill. You know, but, but there was these kind of these kind of exposure to just darkness and here in trophy club, it was like people were f- afraid. I could not believe it. I was like, and then I started to see something. No matter where I went in the world, people had a capacity to fear. And they always filled it up with something. If their heart had a capacity, call it 45% fear, I'm just going to make it sort of a, a, like a like, or a 20% chance of fear, or a 5% chance, they would fill it up with something. You would fill it up. You would find something. You would find something on the news. You would find something. They would talk about you know, your kid's being kidnapped, or this is going to happen, or don't you know you got to do this, and you can't, oh, I can't let my child walk home. It's like, walk home? You can't let your child walk home in this town? It's like, you know, what are you talking about? It, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me that we all carry amounts of fear. And so we have got to recognize that to walk in and to dispel fear and to, let, to live lives free from slavery We have to constantly let the light of God's life and light and love into us that will dispel these fears and address belief systems as the Holy Spirit shows them to us. We've got to be willing to say, oh, I recognize that. Because I promise you, you haven't seen some things yet. I'm not saying that you're not righteous. I'm not saying that you haven't been washed by the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about your belief system. What you are carrying around in your belief system is having an impact on your life. You are choosing, as I said, fear keeps you trapped. Fear keeps you limited. There's things, there's decisions that you will make today based on your capacity to fear that you won't do something. You won't do. You won't dare take a step. And God has got greater things for you to experience and to do. But you won't even take a step because you're afraid. And it's, it's almost invisible. I mean, like we said, Brian Essary is going to take, a, you know, take, a number of us are going to go on that mission trip to the DR. Some people won't go to the DR. It's like, I've never left Amer- I've never left Orlando. I've never left Florida. I've never flown. I've never gone this. I don't. The fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown is a real fear. It, it is a, well, I mean, it's a, it's a real present thing in people's lives. But does is it, is it, it need to be there? No, it doesn't. No, because if we if we actually think about what we actually fear, and you say, well, well do you believe? Do you genuinely believe that Jesus is inside your heart? Do you be genuinely believe that He will never leave you and forsake you? Have you appropriated not just the Scripture Hebrews thirteen five, who says, "I will not leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you. Or I'll never ever ever triple negative leave you or forsake you." Have you you learned how to take that truth and make it so much part of yourself that you can't feel lonely? That you can't feel these things, that you know that Jesus is with you. Why? What's the difference? Is the truth of what Jesus said any different from one place to the other? No. It's what you have allowed to grow and the seed of God's word to develop in your heart to the place Where it no longer, that darkness of fear, that darkness of loneliness, that darkness that is preventing you from making a choice to step out, to go somewhere, to do something, to give something. Oh, God forbid the Lord asks us to give something. Seriously, that's a big one. Because people's security is so much in their finances. It's just like Jesus said to that rich young ruler. He said, "Like, hey, listen. I know what you lack. Go ahead and just, you know, sell it all. Give the money to the poor, and come follow me." Oh, that gets quiet, you know. But I'm just saying, hear what hear what it is. God will. There, there. These things hold us, hold us entrapped, and we can live absolutely above fear. Amen. Okay. So listen, I just wanted to say that because we have got to allow ourselves to to be cognizant, one, of the fact that there is a capacity to fear. And you can ask the Holy Spirit, you can say, Holy Spirit, show me, make me aware of what I fear. Because now, aware I fear when you see it. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be a progressive journey. It's not like, oh, well, quickly, let me just rush to the forward. Please, Shannon, have an altar call. Have them line up here. I just want to go down. I want to go down and then wake up and then tell everybody that I'm free from fear. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But walking out your your sanctification with Jesus means that you've got to embrace certain beliefs. That means that as light of certain beliefs, as the light of certain of truths are going to come, that light is going to challenge things that you've dearly held on to. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he says you've got to learn to take up your cross daily. It wasn't because Jesus didn't do the full price and pay the price of the cross. It was about are you willing to let go of your traditions? Are you willing to get let go of your opinions? Are you willing to let go of your religion? Are you willing, all these things that you have held so dearly. Are you willing every day when something like that goes and just say, oh, okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing me that. I choose light, your light. I choose to walk in the light of your path. I want to embrace that light. I want more of that. Does that make sense to you? Amen. I pray because this, this I know, is a, is, is concepts that we've got to have, have uh, understanding that. Th- and then I, I touched on this th- this thing of fear. It's so important to understand because it does hold us bondage. But in that passage in Hebrews two, it said that Jesus had 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 taken on. The nature of a, of a human. He took, he took on man's nature. And, and I, I, we could belabor that. We can teach a series. But it's very important to understand that Jesus did everything as a man. Right. He had emptied himself, according to Philippians 2. He'd emptied himself of his divinity. And he won and did the victory that he'd earned on, on the cross. He did as a man. Yes. Everything he did in life, he did as a man. And he told us that these things you're going to do, and even greater things you're going to do. Why? Because we're men, and Jesus, like it said in, in Acts 10.38, uh, Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Right. That is very specifically talking about the humanity of Jesus. It's how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And that we, we you see, you know why? If we don't grasp that truth we do not believe we can walk as Jesus walks. Because you know the religious argument that is given still to this day. In most churches said to say, well, that was Jesus. Jesus could live above sin. I can't. I'm just a human. Jesus could do that. Oh, yeah. Because he, Jesus could heal the sick. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's Jesus. Because he was the son of God. Well, that's exactly what the devil wants you to think. Because as long as you think that he did it as God, what choice do you and I have? Well, he's God. But until you embrace the delight, embrace the truth that Jesus did it as a man anointed, would you realize that he didn't play when he was in the crib? He didn't say, goo goo gaga." I wish these people would get away here so I can just stand up and go to the bathroom and I don't have to poop in my pants. Or something like that, you know. He he actually emptied himself. And I don't mean that way. I mean I just sorry. Sorry. He emptied himself of his divinity. Sorry, that that was a total faux <laughs> but, but Jesus did it as a man anointed. I'm telling you that is eye-opening when you grasp that truth because you will see that Jesus didn't always know everything. Jesus, by his life, showed us what it was like to operate by the Spirit. You know that he operated in the gifts of the Spirit. He operated in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. He didn't operate in omniscience. We think he always knew everything. He didn't. Who touched me? He didn't operate as God, God omnipresent. He wasn't omnipresent. He was in a physical place. He wasn't omniscient. He didn't know everything. Amen. He operated as a man, but he did know how to flow in the Holy Spirit. Amen. When he saw the, the rich young ruler and knew that there was something because he had a word of knowledge. He had a word of wisdom. He has a word of wisdom. He learned all the gifts of the Spirit. He knew how to flow in them. Amen. And so can you. Amen. And so can I. Jesus said, no less, that we can do what he did and even greater. Yes. Amen. But you see, it's so easy to put out Jesus in that little God box. You know, this is just a by the side. By the way, you know how many times that the demons would say, Jesus, you know, we talk about the son of God. That wasn't t- trying to worship him. That was trying to say, you're doing this as God. It, no, Jesus called himself the son of man. Jesus called himself the son of man, not the son of God. Yes, he did. He, and he revealed himself as this. He, he, this is, wasn't because he, was, he wasn't still God. You understand? He wasn't operating in his capacity as God. So that's why it's so important that he had to participate in, his flesh, in flesh and blood. And Hebrews teaches a lot of the book of Hebrews by saying that's why he could be a high priest. He did it as a man. He understood it. <laughs> Jesus was tempted. He just didn't sin. He was tempted, it says, just like you are. Think about that. Jesus was tempted. That wasn't play scripture. Jesus was tempted. He just didn't give in to the temptation. That's important to know. Because sometimes you think that it's wrong to get tempted. Oh, I had a a thought. Or, oh, I really want... Guess what? Jesus knows what that feeling is like. That doesn't make you succumb to temptation, Jesus showed us how to live above sin. Amen. Amen. So in this is just as I said, this is just one of those foundation things that we have to we have to get through and then and, and then we went on to to, to talking about um, uh, you know that he, he, he has exalted his word above his name, and God's names are the greatest things ever. I mean, God described all his majesty and all he so many of his character traits and everything, but it says that he has exalted his word above his name. And to understand that Jesus, that God, Jesus, and, and we need we can exalt. Uh, his word and need to have a reverence for what God says to such a degree that even greater than his name is of, of the fame of his name and everything that his names mean. Jira or Shama or provide, I mean, healer, doesn't matter what, shepherd, everything of one of the, the names of God and, and the many, many more names of God. God, we, his word is exalted above his name. When we don't realize that's how precious God's word is, that God values his word that much, we don't give much credence to the word of God. Come on. We're not willing to go and say, oh, wow, that is a big deal, okay? Now, and then I ended up last week by saying, just, just talking a little bit about faith because this, this New Testament, when, we, when we, faith has been so corrupted, it's so important to understand, get a good grasp of faith. And, and I, I had said these 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 foundations are, are critical to lay hold of. You never, a, a good professional sportsman, or good, no, whatever, whatever you do well at, you never let go of the basics. Remember I said I held the football that I have in my toy box over here, and T told me, Vince Lombardi, the great coach, said to his NFL team guys that he was sitting in the locker room, and he was teaching them, and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. What do you think they did? Like, duh, we're NFL players. We know it's a football. But you know that the basic things, if you you do martial arts, if you do any sport, what do they teach you? You go back to the basics. The best professionals know the basics back to front. It's second nature to them. It's the same with us. We get to know and we get grounded in the basics of the truth. The foundations of the faith. And understanding what the foundations of the faith are. That we're like, oh, what are, the fa- what, are, what are those things again? Most of us don't even have a foundation that we can build a life on because we, don't even, we haven't even got our foundations founded yet. We don't even know. Words have, been, words have been redescribed and we haven't got grounded in just basic faith. Because the just shall live by faith. We're told this is, how we're going to, this is how we're going to live and survive. Said, in fact, it says Jesus said, um, we're told, sorry, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God because those who come to Him must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Yes. That's powerful. Here we, we have got to understand that it's impossible to please God without faith. And so so and, and if we don't even have a grasp on faith, is please sign up for D Group, the next D Group that comes around. Please get a, get yourself each one of those things we've got to take it to heart because this idea that faith is is, is really being touted as as much of a dead work. We are told that if you use as much faith, then you can get God, you can convince God to do something. Listen, faith doesn't convince God of anything. Faith doesn't get God if you think, I'm just going to put it bluntly, is that okay? If you think faith gets God to do anything, you're wrong and you're deceived and you're trapped. Faith does not move God. Now, sadly, that sounds strange to many ears because they've never heard what New Testament faith is. Faith doesn't move God. Faith doesn't get God to do anything. Faith simply decides to believe what God said is true. Faith looks at what God has done in the past, looks backwards, sees it and says, that is true. Faith doesn't try and get God to do anything. If you're trying to get God to do something, you are not grounded in a basic fundamental New Testament truth. I know that's blunt, so forgive me. But I'm telling you, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. Faith is getting an, an understanding of what Jesus has done in for us, yeah. on that His death, burial, resurrection, um, burial, you know, descent to hell, His victory over sin, hell, death in the grave, His ascension. I mean, sorry, His resurrection, His ascension to heaven, where He takes, put, put the, you know, takes the blood to the heavenly. Uh, a mercy seats, all of those things. What Jesus accomplished is a past tense. Tetelestai, it is finished. T said it earlier. It is finished work. It is finished. It is the perfect Greek tense. It was done once. It did everything once in the past, never to be repeated. It is finished. When, as we get more into the series, you will see that there is, there is only one victory. You've heard it, we've sung it for years in so many songs. But have we understood that literally every, every victory was won at the cross? Every issue was won at the cross. But because we haven't known how to appropriate that, or what to do with that, what that actually means... Because we just so we muddle along in life, it's getting struggle. I've got this. Um, I'm struggling along with this, and I'm struggling with that. And I'm ha- listen. I'm talking to myself here. We, is it okay that we walk this journey together? Amen. Okay. Let's just be real. Okay. Because that's what Lake Haven is. We're, we want to be authentic. Amen. If you if you don't want to be authentic, you probably need a different church. Because because we want to we need to walk through this together. Okay. But. That is the reality. Faith, if we want to work true faith, it looks back what God has said and what God has done in the past and says, I choose to believe that. God, I choose to take your word that that is what you did. It is an easy thing. Faith is not a difficult thing. It's because we've made faith so woo-woo so weird, and like, if you can get this, you can, you can get God to do this for you, we'll get, get God to do that for you. That is a sad misunderstanding, okay? Because faith, as I said, will t- look backwards and tell us what God has already done. So I wanted to look at this, these scriptures over here that, that you know, because again, we're going to spend a little bit of time on this. Ephesians chapter 1, The the, the Ephesians prayers, everybody who's studied the Bible probably knows these. These Ephesians prayers are awesome. There's one in chapter 1 and there's one in chapter 3 where Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And this I'm going to read in a couple translations. I'm starting with the ESV, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working, to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now that is a mouthful, right? Now there is so much in this passage that we need to embrace. And I pray that you walk this journey with me, are you willing to let the Holy Spirit open your heart? Amen. Are you willing? Because you can close your eyes right now and say, Holy Spirit, if I'm not even willing, I ask you to make me willing. I ask you to open my heart, open my understanding. Because there, there are some majestic truths in this passage. You know, so, so I want to start by saying this before we get into some of the other translations and, and pick out some how they've translated some of these words. Um, but he starts up there, but he says that in, in verse 15, for this reason, I've, I've heard of your what? Your faith. Like I just said, faith is what? Faith is looking backwards. Faith isn't looking forward. Faith isn't a hope. Faith isn't looking forward and saying, well, I sure hope. No, they are looking backwards at, and they are established on the cross. And he says, and your love for all, all the saints. And he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Okay, so stop there for a second. Remembering you in my prayers. I can't digress here too long on every one of these topics as I as I go into them. But understand this: most of the church thinks prayer is something that somebody like when they say to me, "Hey, if you go back to the church, you know, won't you throw one up for me, or whatever?" I've heard so many different words. Like, I guess. One up, you know, whatever. Whatever it's like, We 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 throw out these hopes. Oh, s- say a little prayer for me. Say a little prayer for me. Some religions light candles. Oh, God, hear my prayer. And it's it's it, So, there is there is they do not understand because they haven't learned or read what Jesus has studied about New Testament prayer. And I did that mainly a few years ago, right? So, I mean, I hey. I did 12 weeks on New Testament prayer a while back. But, but prayer, when you understand that prayer isn't just asking God and kind of hoping. That's not what prayer is. Prayer understands what God has given and knows how to enforce it. And when you know, understand what binding and loosing is, what God has given us and, and things. So he is not talking about a wishing and a hoping. He, he couldn't say over here, he said, I'm a wishing and a hoping. That's not what he's saying. A remembering you in my a wishing and a hoping. Hey, just so you know, guys, I'm lighting a candle for you. He's not saying I'm lighting a candle for you and I'm a wishing and a hoping. Okay, so that's not what he's talking. He's talking about, listen, I, I know what is mine. I know what is yours. I know what it is to bind and loose. I am making declarations about you. That's what he is saying. That's what the word prayer means can't go into it too deeply. We can do another series sometime. But I tell you what, and, and, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's effectively using the sword of the Spirit, right? Yep. And then he says, what is our prayers? Then he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, ooh, may give you the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Man, there is so much in that sentence. He says, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory. What do you think glory means? We've spoken about glory so many times. The far, what glory is, if you study the word glory, doxa, it's not just shininess. That the Father of shininess, oh, he can glow in the dark. It's like, no, that the Father that can glow in the dark and that can shine really brightly, No. No, doxa is there is an opinion. There is a view and opinion of God that is true reality. Go and study the word. Pull it up in your blue letter Bible. Go and study the Greek word. Doxa, one of the fundamental pieces of doxa is God's view and opinion, which is true reality. So the father of what? The father of God's view and opinion, which is real, that reality, not some... Churches are viewed, some denominations view, not Shannon's idea, but God's idea of what reality is. That the father of glory, the glory his view and opinion, which is really truth and which is really reality, that he says that may give you a what? Okay, so listen, what's his prayer? That he can give you the spirit of wisdom. That's the first part. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom is what? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Okay? It's to take knowledge and not just chase the knowledge. We don't just chase the knowledge. We're going to touch on this a few times in in the course of a time. We don't just chase knowledge so that we can have knowledge. Know that God may give you a spirit of wisdom. How to take that knowledge and put it into practice in your everyday life. Okay? That'll do for now. Okay? That's the spirit of wisdom. And in the knowledge of Him. Okay? Now, the knowledge of him. That word knowledge there is awesome because it's not just gnosko. There's a, there's a few Greek words for, for knowledge. One is weida. Oh, I know that. I, 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 I know that that's happening. No, gnosko is experiential knowledge. I have an intimate understanding. This word is epigonosko. Epigonosko is that I have a complete, full, accurate, precise understanding of him. That is pretty powerful. Of him and having the your, the eyes of your heart, or some, some translations say the eyes of your understanding. If you look at the King James and the New Kent, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart may, may actually see some stuff. You you can you you can understand with your heart. You, light can come in. Can can where there was darkness can bring you can show you how things really are. Okay, stay with me. I know this is chunky. Okay, so he says, he says that, that, that the eyes of your heart be enlightened to illuminate, to make, to see that you may know the hope to which he has called you. It says in the ESV. Now, I want you to see that if you, um, Janine, I don't know if you can flip over to the King James Version or the Young's Literal Version, any one of those. Can you do that verse? Is that easy for you to do? I'm not sure if you can. Yeah. That th- this is the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now, I like there's most translations use the word his calling. And there's three areas that he says that you can come to know that you can your understanding in your heart. Where? Your heart. The eyes of your heart can be enlightened in these three particular areas. Are you ready? One, is the hope of his calling? Do you know that your what we typically call calling has got to do with? Um, well, I, I, I'm not called to do that. I'm called to do this, and it's it's it separates. Um, us, a lot of, a lot of the, disc- we've just got to be really careful. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. We've got to be really careful over here when we talk about His calling, because that we can know what is the hope of His calling. There is one calling, His calling, that we all participate in. Right. Within His calling, sure you play a role, but your role will always be part of His calling. Right. His calling is the one that He left us And the one we we say connecting to his cause, which he says that we are to make disciples of the whole world. If your calling is not doing that, then you have no business doing it. Your calling as a believer should be playing some part in his calling. (laughs) Listen, I'm I'm just going to use 7-Eleven because I love 7-Eleven. Okay, so it's like if you worked at Seven Eleven or you did whatever and you were called to Seven Eleven, you would know how to use your position for in part of his calling. You do not have a calling apart from his calling. We do not have a poor calling apart from his calling. So Paul, is first thing he's praying, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be flooded with light. So, you get to see and understand number one, what is the hope, the expectation of the good, it's gonna be good, of His calling. Okay, that is important. You have, an, you have a role to play, you have a significant role to play. If you, yeah, I could go a long way in that, and I don't wanna, I wanna just stop there. The hope of His calling. And He says, then number two, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Whose inheritance? His inheritance in the saints. His inheritance in the saints. You see, he is the one that has the inheritance. So this is number two, remember? The glo- that, he's, that, that we would know what is this, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I want to pull out, I'm just thinking... Um, Yeah, let me pull out that verse, and I like the way that it says it. Janine, is it possible to bring up the Weiss translation? I know that Karin put it in for us, but... Oh, yes. (laughs) That the eyes of your heart being in an enlightened state with a view to your knowing what is the hope of his calling and what is the wealth of his, the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And the next part, if you can... And what is the superabounding greatness of His inherent power to us who are believing ones, as measured by the operative energy of the manifested strength of His might? Wow. Woo. Now that is a mouthful, right? I mean, all of us just look at that, like, what? What is that? Because there's number three is mentioned up there. What is what is His power? Right. What is His power in the saints? That's how the English, this is what it's talking about. So there's. Now, his inheritance, and, and we, we have to touch on a few things in his inheritance, because basically you've got to understand a couple things. You and I do not have a covenant with God. I'm going to let that penny drop. Clink, 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 clink. <laughs> Jesus has a covenant with God. Jesus of Nazareth was the effect of the covenant. We are beneficiaries of the covenant. That's important to understand. Because you didn't make the covenant, you can't break the covenant. He made the covenant. He has the inheritance. He earned the inheritance. You do not have an inheritance. He earned the inheritance. That's why in all these books, particularly Ephesians, talk about in him. Because we've got to clothe ourselves, We've got to step into Jesus. I put Jesus on. Jesus is inside me. We can get to the whole union thing later on. But in him, I, I get to experience his inheritance in the saints. Right. You are the saints, by the way. Not just Mother Teresa who got canonized. <laughs> we are the saints. Okay. I, I'm just going to touch on that a little bit because we've just got to go in there. Um, let me just pull that. His inheritance. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's why through him we utter the amen to God. Every promise is yes and amen. Why? Because it was to Jesus. Right. The promises were to Jesus. That's why we can say the yes and amen. Then all the curses. Jesus delivered us from all the curses. I, I know I'm going through this relatively quickly because, but I was delivered from all the curses. God, Galatians 3:13, Christ. Redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Listen to that. Jesus became the curse for who? I want you to personalize that. For me, Jesus took every curse. For me, And if you want to go and find out about the curses, go and study Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and the curses. He took all the curses on his body. It says that he says, becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree so that Christ Jesus, the blessing of, the Abra- of Abraham may come to the Gentiles so that we may receive the promised spirit through faith. Okay, so then listen to this in verse 16, drop down to Galatians 3:16. Now the promises were made to Abram and to his offspring. It does not say to his offsprings, meaning to many, but to one, to your offspring who is Christ. The inheritance was given to Jesus. Yeah, right. There it says it exceptionally clearly for you, those of you taking notes. And then Romans 8 verse 16 says this beautiful thing. The Spirit himself bears witness with us, with our spirit, that we are what? Children of God. 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with them in order that we may be glorified with him. So when it talks about the inheritance, understand, you and I do not have a covenant. Jesus had the covenant. You and I get to... So this is... what. So remember number two, right? Number two says that we may know his... What the hope of his inheritance in the saints. Okay, cool. And then number three, and then he says this, um, let me just find my spot away and I jump down over here. Oh, yeah. Number three, he says yeah, that the power, that, 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 that the immeasurable greatness of his power now, we, we touched on this when I was talking about power something. But, but it says that what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us? Now, if you look that up in the Amplified and in the, in the, and, um, uh, the RSV, Revised Standard Version, it says not His, his power toward us, His power in us. Yes. He's the immeasurable greatness of His power in us. Now, listen... I, I know that I've given you something chunky here, but I, I'm going I'm to just pause here for a second. I want you to just briefly think about what I'm saying. Paul has asked his prayer, his prayer was, right, that we can know through the Father of glory and he get that, we, that the father of the, his view and opinion, that we would get to know that the eyes of what God's, what's his God's view and opinion? Does it matter what your view and opinion is? Come on. No, but you have one. You, you're, you're allowed to have one. But what good is your opinion if you're going to live in, in untruth? You see, we've believed a lot of things that we've been told by religion and people and what your mama said and what your grandpa said and whatever. But who will you believe? So he pray, Paul's prayer is to, to the Ephesians. Guys, I pray this, that the Father of glory, that, your, that the eyes of your heart, and the word is literally heart, it's the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light, that you would see. These things, right? The hope of who's calling? His calling. His inheritance. His power inside of us who believe. I, I, can't even, I can't even carry on because it talks about this power and it starts talking about this power and it says the immeasurable greatness of this power, which is the same as what the power, the same, no different power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Where is this power, that same power? In us. Now, I've just given you some words, but I've given you words from God. Amen. God values his words above his names. That's right. We can choose to take his words and choose to say, I'm going to soak in that. So this is what I want to do here in closing. I'm just going to stop right there and we're going to have to carry on next week over here because um, Jen is going to come up and play a little bit because we're going to do a little bit of an exercise here. Um, You will see that an integral part of making a truth yours is meditation. Now, when I say the word meditation in a church, I'm not talking about lotus position, Eastern stuff. I'm talking about Psalm 1, Joshua 1, if you meditate on my word day and night, you'll be like, you know, those kind of, they'll be like, stream, like a tree planted by streams of water. Meditating on a truth. Imagination is such a powerful tool because your heart can't tell the difference between imagination and reality. I'm going to pause there. If you close your eyes, this is why, and I'm just going to say this as a a sense of just giving you an understanding. It's the same reason that when you think about somebody who did something to you, you can get mad at them. That you can feel angry. That you can get all burnt up. Your heart can start racing. You can start perspiring. Or you can fear something when you start to think about something. Or you can think about something positive. Positive. And it can have the opposite. It can have feelings of love and joy and pleasantness and all kinds. That is the power of imagination in your heart. What you choose to put your mind on makes all the difference. Every one of us meditate. Most of us don't realize when we're choosing to meditate. When we're choosing to imagine the truth. So when you want to experience a truth, a reality in God, the best way to do it is to take a truth from his word, not just any random thing that doesn't have any consequence, that doesn't line up with anything else of the character and nature of God, but when you see a truth like these and you see like, okay, Lord, I want that to become real in me. the choice is always what are you going to do with this truth? Do you choose to let that become real in your heart and you say Holy Spirit and best you know how with complete honesty and authenticity while your eyes are closed you just say Holy Spirit you are the teacher of the church. That's what Jesus said he would do. He would teach that he would dwell inside me and teach me he would show me things so holy spirit i ask you to show me to bring this revelation i open my heart to you holy spirit that my heart the eyes of my heart will be flooded with this light That I might know the hope of your calling. Lord, I ask you to show me that. What do you mean by that? What do you see when you see his calling? In your mind's eye. Are you willing? Do you believe that God loves you to that much degree that he will never cause you to do something that isn't good for you? That doesn't have your best interest at heart. Not saying that some areas won't be difficult. But I can promise you that God has your interest at heart because he loves you. fact, I just, you, I know there's some checks in people's hearts right now. You just have to, you have to receive by faith the fact that God is love. Yeah. Some of you have been told to lie. Some of you have, been, have, have heard this truth for so long that you believe God has got something bad for you because you were told that he's in control and because he's in control this evil happened or this death happened or this tragedy happened and so you've held it against God I can tell you with surety that wasn't of God if that's you I really want to encourage you to that is the starting place for you this week is to allow God, your heart to be flooded with the knowledge of His love. And as you read this, go home and read this, this passage again, up to verse 19 over here, I want to encourage you to read it in a few translations, but I want you to visualize this what is the hope of His calling? the greatness of his inheritance in the saints, us, in me, personalize it. What is the greatness of his inheritance in my, heart, in my life? And what is that immeasurable greatness of his power? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you ministered your, the knowledge of your, what these things mean into our hearts. look up at me for a sec here. We're going to close the service in a second, in a, in a minute here. We're going to go into the power of God because we need to understand more of what that immeasurable power in us is, that resurrection power. As we move into and grabbing a hold of that one, it's going to bring liberty to you ways that you have never understood or never grasped, okay? So I want you just to be, ask yourself this question. Go home with this, please. Ask yourself, what am I going to do with this? Am I willing to let it go? Am I willing to let light come into my heart? Am I willing to not let fear dominate me any longer? Amen. Amen. This morning, if you're here and you do not know Jesus and you came with a friend, please know that Jesus loves you and that all you need to do is open your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. And he will meet you right there where you are. Please know that you are cared for and that you're loved. If you're online, text that word, uh, prayer to the, the, the number on your screen. And of course here too, please, it's so important that you start a relationship with Jesus. this, These foundations are really going to take us into uh, uh, just uncovering what this great inheritance and what Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? Amen. So are you, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to go home? Listen, I know that some of you, that feels like homework, but I promise you, what did I say last week? I said, you know, we spoke about that scripture in Mark 4, right? But the measure that you use, the measure of thought study that you give is the amount of virtue and goodness. These things are going to come up from from us. We cannot do it another way. I do not want to play games. And I know you don't want to play games either. Let's lay hold, take hold. I read that scripture last week. Let's take hold of life. Amen. Let's take hold of life. Amen. Okay. So, um, I'm going to dismiss the service here. If you have needs of prayer, please come and speak to our prayer ministers.